Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 146 of the In Squash podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Gibson. And first, before we get into it today, I just want to uh, you know, send a shout out to everybody. I hope you're all doing well, healthy and well, staying safe. And, uh, you know, now that there are a few uh, places where squash is reopening again, I uh, hope that's going well for those who are able to get out on court as well. Uh, why don't you try, try to uh, stay in touch with us here on the podcast and let us know how that's going, I'm sure, uh, or on social media, and we can follow how that's going. I hope it's going well for you. Uh, not here right now uh, in the UAE. I think some facilities may have opened, but uh, mine hasn't yet, and um, hopefully in the near future, will gyms in my area have uh, reopened, so hopefully squash courts will reopen, but uh, that'll be a totally a different dynamic, I think, uh, how, how we're going to go about uh, entering the squash court and who we're playing with and whatnot. We know all the, uh, the scenarios that uh, can play out there, so we just have to take it uh, slowly and carefully. But today, uh, on episode 146, we have reigning Irish national champion, eight-time Irish national champion, Arthur Gaskin, and uh, had a really fun uh, chat with Arthur. Um, now, we talk quite a bit about... Uh, Peter Nichols Squash Academy, where he's the director of squash there, and uh, he's at the Rhode Island uh, Academy. Uh, Peter has two, one in Manhattan, I believe, and one in uh, Rhode Island. We And uh, the conversation is wide-ranging. We cover a lot of topics, but that that's obviously a key one. We also uh, discuss, of course, uh, reopening the squash courts and how uh, he and the Academy have gone about that. They've had their virtual squash, uh, which uh, uh, if you listen to the Peter Nickel podcast, he talked at length about that. And I also asked Arthur his views on it and how it's gone for him. And um, looking forward to uh, getting back on court. They are there, but uh, the virtual squash was a big uh, thing in keeping their players uh, keeping their players' eyes on the ball, uh, so to speak. Uh, then we take a look at his backstory a bit in the squash uh, uh, in his squash history obviously eight time reign eight time national champion and reigning national champion and we look back at that uh, at his uh, career as a pro as well and the irish legends i mean there are several there and we bring up quite a few of them including uh, willie hosey and um, derek ryan amongst uh, uh, and also himself uh, winners of several of the last uh, Irish national championships so we get to talking about that and uh, much much more so I know you're going to enjoy uh, episode 146 uh, I know I did with Arthur uh, Gaskin now before we get into the episode though let me tell you about Active Scout. Uh, Active Scout is a growth and retention tool for squash clubs now the clubs are slowly looking to open their doors we want to help your your community grow not all members are returning from this uh, break, so growing club membership is more important than ever before. Start with you and a few regular partners. Active Scout can be your chat tool for arranging games or going for a jog. Post updates about your club on the social platform and check out what other clubs are doing to get up and running faster. Next step, let your club management know about Active Scout. If your club still uses pen and paper as a booking system, this is an opportunity to upgrade for free. That's right, for free. If your club already has a booking system, let us know what your system is, and we will shortlist it for platform integration within Active Scout. Now, Active Scout was designed by a Level 3 coach to help grow our sports, so reach out to us today. Active Scout is now beta testing as well. 
contact Rob at Active Scout, uh, or at uh, you can visit the website Active Scout without uh, without the e com, and we will send you a link to download the app. So that's Rob at Active Scout dot com without the e, or visit the website Active Scout dot com, and they will send you a link to download the app. The email is just like the website Rob at Active Scout dot com. That's Active Scout without the E. Now today, really enjoyed this chat with Arthur Gaskin on episode 146. Well, uh, Arthur, it's really great to have you uh, on the podcast. I, I, I'd always, uh, in preparation for this, I did a bit of, have to do a bit of prep, but uh, <laughs> uh, I'd obviously, I'd heard your name uh, before and realized you, you were a good PSA player, but I did not realize an uh, uh, eight-time uh, Irish national champion. Did not realize 150 caps for Ireland. Uh, obviously, oh. uh, you know. Obviously, uh, no. You're working with Peter uh, uh, as his uh, director of squash, Peter Nickel uh, Squash Academy. So uh, I'd be remit. You know, I, I, I have to give you some props there. Eight uh, eight national championships. Uh, that's nothing to uh, be ashamed of. That's for sure. Yeah. No, it's it's grand. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's uh, yeah. It's it's grand. I don't really sort of look at it like that. Like, I, I, I don't know. I just, just as more, it, when I was younger, I used to like, think, yeah, yeah, I'll try to get as many of those as I can. And now that I'm older, I'm more along the lines of, I just want to play. I just like playing. Yeah. So, and I, it's, I, it's almost like a holiday. I'm the yeah. same way. It's getting more, it's getting more difficult to play now that I'm, uh, you know, in, I mean, in my early fifties now, 51. So, uh, yeah, the lead, the, the niggles are accumulating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a list. I don't yeah. think that's an exclusive club to have a, a list of niggles. <laughs> yeah, no. But uh, before we get started, Arthur, I just wanted to, you know, just uh, ask you how things are with you and your family under these, uh, you know, challenging and uh, you know, unfortunate circumstances. Things are tough out there right now with the COVID, and then obviously, uh, you know, in in the U.S., uh, the global, uh, you know, Black Lives Matter thing is. Uh, you know, something that we have to uh, really improve upon and make the world a better place. But uh, how's your family? Uh, how are you doing? And people, your family back in Ireland as well. Yeah, we're, we're good, to be honest. Early, when all this started, I was definitely a bit naive. I thought this was, you know, two, three weeks tops and then we're going to be back to normal. So mm -hmm. there was no, I wasn't really stressing. We weren't at home. My wife is Irish as well. So we're kind of, a, and we grew up not that far from each other. So we kind of have a similar mindset. And it was initially, it was just kind of a chance just to hang out with uh, Nola, our one-year-old, and yeah. be a bit more present than I had been over the past few months. As you can appreciate, it's kind of busy season, like with school teams and middle school yeah, yeah. and high school. And, and then the nationals were coming up and getting some of the kids ready for that. Um, so initially it was, yeah. And then as we started to see, started to realize, or maybe I started to realize that this was maybe a bit more serious and it was going to last a lot longer than a couple of weeks <laughs> yeah, yeah um, absolutely yeah it was just it was just kind of just knuckling down was, the first thing was just to set up like some sort of a structure and a routine in the house so yeah. between like you know that we would both have time to nola on ourselves that we would have collectively i don't know if you hear the toys rattling oh. upstairs oh, that's awesome yeah <laughs> well, I, it brings back great memories i've got two daughters uh, but they're both one's uh, in university and the other one's here with me now, but she's uh, she's telling me uh, what to do, what time, what time we're going to be having dinner and things. Like that. <laughs> so, you know, I, 
They grow so fast. <laughs> yeah, they, they do. <laughs> My dad used to say they grow so slow. Oh, definitely not. I mean, it's, yeah, we're, we're like 13 months in and looking yeah. at photos of like a year ago, I was like, far out. I can't believe she was that small. And then even yesterday, she's kind of propping herself up on, uh, on the couch and you're like, sugar, like you're massive. You can see over this now, you know? Yeah. But, oh, that's uh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, anyways, we just got into a routine pretty quick. And then in terms of like teaching and staying in touch with the kids, it was, there was a few weeks where it was a little bit of trial and error. It was spring break here. So trying to figure out. And again, I was thinking very, very short term at the time. I was thinking well, maybe the first week or two reconnect with them. But yeah. we did some, we had some ideas. Uh, some were better than others. But as we kind of got to the end of spring break and the first Monday, and I think it was March 30. When the kids were back to school, we had what we felt was something that was really good. And, you know, and if nothing else, even if it wasn't, we had kind of, we were keeping busy and active and keeping our minds in gear. And, but I, yeah, we actually kind of stumbled on something. I didn't stumble on it. I mean, we did some research and then we just had to figure a way to deliver. And right uh, yeah, so that was kind of fun in, in, in a weird way. I mean, I was just yeah. trying to use the time as as just a, as a chance to kind of grow and, and figure out new means and new ways to communicate and deliver sessions mm, to the kids. Exactly. Well, we've got the, this, uh, this whole thing, this new normal coming our way. Right. So yeah. the new normal is going to, I think there's going to be a lot of, uh, you know, and I had Peter on, you might've heard, uh, on the podcast. Great interview, by the way. Oh, like, well, thank brilliant. you. Yeah. 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 Well, we were, uh, we, we had a good buzz listening to that. Yeah, oh, he was awesome. Uh, I mean, uh, he was a hero, hero of mine of the, being, a, you know, the J.P. Uh, Peter uh, era. Probably you, you might take that for granted. Uh, maybe not, you know, just having being, being around him and being able to pick his brain and just watch him do what he does. I, would, I couldn't have been more impressed with, with Peter. Uh, yeah, yeah he's, he's quality. Like, he's a great guy. Yeah. And, yeah, obviously he's got a wealth of knowledge and, and I think, you know, as he's gotten older, he's been able to extrapolate even more from his brain and sort of yeah. get it out there. I don't mean like in just from being around him, like he's, he's more and more like, yeah, he's, he's got a great, great brain between his ears. He does. Yeah. Now, before uh, I, I want to talk about all of that stuff with Peter and, and what you're doing with the virtual uh, squash, the new normal, uh, as we call it. Uh, but uh, yeah. before we get into that, if you don't mind, if we take a look back at, at you a little bit, Arthur, um, if you don't mind. Uh, if, when you got your start in, uh, in Ireland, obviously, as a young, young buck, but uh, you didn't uh, pick up squash. You, know, you hear guys like you know, Pilly and these guys, they had rackets in their hands when they were three, right? But yeah. I, I think you were maybe slightly older than that before you started playing. Yeah, I was, I was a bit older. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Probably maybe 12 or 13, yeah. you know, by the time I kind of dabbled in it and maybe 15 when I took it, you know, I suppose serious. Yeah. I dropped all the other sports when um, growing up in Ireland and probably anywhere else in the world in those days, we didn't have access to phones or laptops. And I, I'm not even sure the internet even, it probably did exist, but it was definitely not, not in our household or anywhere near uh, any of the people we hung around with. Yeah. So we were just kind of left to our own devices you leave the house at nine o'clock in the morning, you're kicking a football, you're hitting a tennis ball, <clears throat> your parents are, you know, on weekends when school and, you know, during the school season is trying to get rid of you for as long as they can. So they're putting you in every sport and activity that they can all, you know, after school and, you know, in, on the weekends and then you'd have like soccer matches, rugby matches, 
So I think by the time I started playing squash, like I had a pretty good physical background and I was always, as a kid. How, t- um, how, like, how tall are you, Arthur, if you don't mind me? You've you're, you're, you got to be over six feet, right? Yeah, six, yeah, yeah. Uh, just under six two. Yeah, we're about the same. I'm, si- I'm just over six two, so we're about the same, same height, yeah. Great height, eh? Great height, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, for some, I mean, my, my footwork was never uh, never my strong point, but I try, managed to keep it, uh, you know, relatively okay during my, my prime, and then uh, now it's kind of dropped off a bit again. But, <laughs> yeah, but uh, you can kind of get back in. Like, you can do, like, little small, like, uh, you know, easy, light ghosting sessions where you can kind of, like, work on that. Yeah, that's what I, I was. I, I used to always try to do up until recently, really uh, intense ghosting sessions, and then I'd leave the court and you know be off for three days, you know, not be able to <laughs> do anything. But uh, I think, yeah, you're right. But but to get back to to you, so you got your start back, uh, you know, when you were about twelve, and you got into it when you were fifteen, and and it yeah. took off from there. Kind of, yeah. I think when we first started playing uh, the tennis courts at the local club. Um, they were being resurfaced. Yeah. So myself and a fellow, Simon Walsh, and another couple of guys, uh, Jared Jennings and John Tully, great characters. <laughs> so we used to, uh, in our heads, you know, we were useless at tennis, you know, relatively speaking. We were decent for who we were, but um, yeah. so we just thought we'd keep our eye on playing a bit of squash, you know, once or twice a week. And what I realized in a lot of my pals playing football and, and uh, rugby, they were, they were playing squash and then they were doing all these like trips around the country. Yeah, yeah. And then as I kind of slowly got into it, I was like, geez, I'm actually, I'm, you know, getting pretty close to these guys and these have been playing for years. And then it was, but it, that wasn't because I was amazing. It was just more to do with, I was physically pretty good and I was naturally quite strong and fast. Yeah. And, and then slowly I started to get into it. Really. I met some, and as you know, like you, you meet some great people through squash, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, and it was a totally different scene to some of the other sports that I was playing where, you know, there were some real, not nice kind of politics for a 13 yeah, year old yeah. to be going through. My, my, yeah. my parents were pretty solid people. They always took a back seat, but they would, you know, in later years, they used to always sort of say, you know, they used to always be worried that, you know, we, I would fall into mm-hmm. some category with anyways, long story short. Uh, yeah. Just loved it. Absolutely oh, yeah. loved it. Well, that's it what, that's what that brought me, me to squash too. Like it was the, um, I remember winning my first provincial uh, championship as a junior and with that came the opportunity to travel from Halifax, Nova Scotia, to uh, the center of Canada, Ajax, Ontario. And uh, from then, uh, and then you met all these cool people, and you meet. Uh, it was just uh, it was contagious, right? And then from yeah. that point on, it was no looking back. I dropped all other sports uh, after that. Yeah, and it's just like it's it's just like uh, it's like warfare out there. Like even yeah, as a kid, yeah, you just yeah. feel like you know, like it's. Yeah, it's like a combat sport for a civilized age. You know, if if the Romans were, uh, you know, not so brutal, they'd probably have a squash court in the middle of the Colosseum and they'd have great crack watching the guys. And the great thing is no one would die, so the two best players could go out and play again the following day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, you, you were top ju- you, you managed to get yourself to a top junior level, uh, I guess, by the time you 17, 18 or so? Or? Yeah, by the time I got to that stage, um, when I was 16 was when I really started to, you know, maybe travel just a little bit more out, outside of Ireland and I sort of saw what was out there and we, a bunch of us went to Pontefract 
um, okay, yeah. which is just over the, Will, the, the Willstrup, Willstrup territory. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he was amazing. Like Malcolm just took us in. You know, one of the lads was super organized, David Noon, who's now the national junior coach in Ireland. Yeah. So he just emailed him or sent him a letter, actually, I think. And he organized it all. So we booked these cheap flights over to Leeds Bradford. We stayed in a really sort of cheap hotel or b and B, I I think it was at the time. And Malcolm was, was amazing. And then yeah. you had all these other kids who like were there training twice every day. And by the end of the two weeks, like we were all so totally inspired, but I was definitely like, that was like that, this is what I want to do, you know? And I knew I wasn't, I knew my place. Like I knew I wasn't James or I knew I wasn't some of the other top English players, yeah. but I sort of felt that, you know, if I could, I made such an improvement in those two weeks. I loved doing it every single day. What was it about think, Malcolm? I mean, uh, from what I mean, I've heard you hear all kinds of great stories, and there's that great documentary that's on uh, squash skills. But I've heard, you know, someone I forget who it was who told me, but he actually he says he he'd been coached by Malcolm, who had never actually stepped on the court with him. He he watched from afar, and then 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 shares wisdom uh, that way. Yeah, I mean, the only time, and in in years later when I moved to the UK, I used to go there a couple of times a week. Yeah. And the only time in all the time that I've seen Malcolm and known Malcolm that I've ever seen him on a squash court was with toddlers, you know, <laughs> okay. really young, like yeah. kids, like four or five, maybe six and just throwing a ball on the wall. Uh, he's, I think he's, he's a legend. Like he's amazing. Yeah, yeah. His love for the game is unparalleled. He's just, and there's no, there's no bullshit. Like you turn up, like yeah. he's not, like if you're like, throwing a racket, which, you know, I did a fair few of my time. I had a few tantrums, <laughs> you know, uh, but mm. there was none of that with him. And if you did no. it, you were out the door. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I used to get the train up and the sessions in the morning would start at half 10, finish at 12, 12.30, give or take, depending on the day and how everything was going. And I had two options to get the train or to arrive there at 9 a.m. or 10. So I'd always get there at nine. Malcolm would always be up in his office. And so... You know, I'd just pop the head up or I'd sort of be warming on court and he'd come down, he'd have a chat and he wouldn't yeah. just talk squash, it would be squash life or, you know, horse racing or theatres. And yeah. I just loved that. Yeah. That, you know, he's, he was just great, just a great man. That's awesome. Well, yeah. that, that must have really uh, sort of propelled your, your squash having experienced, uh, you know, that and then going back to Ireland really must have given you that impetus to, to train harder and. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And, you know, just to touch back on like when I was younger, when I lived there in the UK, uh, when I was in my you know late teens and early 20s, you know, I was living on my own. I didn't have any sort of family. My friends were like, they were all squash players, we were all kind of training and doing our thing. So he like, kind of made me feel I was very much at home. And that was kind of a nice thing for a young person to, to have, you know, or to yeah. feel anyways. Yeah, I remember... Um it was back, I think, yeah, it was the World world Team Championships. It was in France, I think. And uh, I think Gregory was playing, Gregory Galtier, was it like 18, 17 or something? And he ended up playing one of the English players. And I forget, it might have been James, I don't know. But, it was uh, Beatles. I know the match you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, and, and <laughs> Galtier, yeah, Galtier just went nuts. Uh, and, and he ended up winning. But uh, uh, Malcolm didn't really appreciate his uh, attitude on the court. And at the time, I thought, Man, what's, what's the big deal? But I, I totally, I mean, no, you know, that's Greg. Greg's Greg. You're not going to change that, right? He still, he has not changed at all. <laughs> but, uh, and, and it's great. He's great for the game. But at the same time, I can totally appreciate uh, 
where Malcolm was coming from. You know, uh, I think some people may have taken offense to how harsh he was on Greg, but uh, I don't. Th I mean, yeah, okay, whatever. But that's just who he is, and that it's good for the game to have people like that in the game. They're the role models. Oh, that's totally, cool. yeah. And and you need those contrasts of. Uh, personalities and yeah. it's also I think it's nice and refreshing and you don't hear it a lot absolutely where yeah. people kind of like sort of say well you know that might be good but I don't, I don't like it I mean you see I mean, you, you watch sports all the time on you know the ESPN or, or whatever and guys are just complaining about everybody in yeah. whatever sport it is so I mean that I mean that kind of stuff it's so refreshing and entertaining but in yeah, squash, I find we're a little too sensitive to, to little things like that, you know? I think, yeah, maybe a little bit. I mean, it's not my place to say, but just as a fan watching in, you, you would like to see, you know, just maybe a little bit. I think that's what drew us all and why we, everyone, ourselves included, talks about the Jonathan Power and Peter Nichol rivalry yeah, so yeah. fondly is because... You know, they, they, they were at each other in very oh, different ways and they're very yeah. different personalities. But that contrast yeah. and was just, yeah, it's just amazing. And that's kind of why we all gravitate to sport to a degree. Absolutely. I, I love those interviews, the old interviews back, I think, when they were both really young and uh, they interviewed Power before one of the matches. <laughs> and <laughs> and if the guy asked him, what's going to happen? He goes, it's going to be all shots. It's going <laughs> to be over quick. <laughs> I mean, you, you don't hear that in, in, in squash really anymore. Yeah. All shots, so it'll be over quick. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. <laughs> what a guy. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's entertaining stuff. But, um, but yeah, I mean, then, then after your junior uh, years, um, you did, Matt, you, you uh, eventually went on to win uh, one of eight uh, national titles, your most recent win uh, in February. So yeah. congrats on that. Now, I'd like to, if you don't mind, uh, Arthur, could, could we juxtapose one with eight, beginning with one? Uh, yeah. What do you remember about that one? And uh, obviously, that's got to be, if not, you know, one of the proudest moments, maybe the proudest moment of your, your squash career, being a national, you know, champion. The, uh, the first time? Yeah. Yeah, that was definitely a highlight. Um there was so much going on. Like I, I, so I had stopped for a couple of years on the tour. I mean, I didn't stop loving the game. I didn't stop training, but uh, personal circumstances. Uh, I had a girlfriend at the time who was sick, and I sort of didn't realize uh, at the time how serious it was. I was a bit naive. I mean, I was right. 23. But uh, so, yeah, so that kind of came at the end of that. So we just kind of, kind of decided and committed and I sort of made the decision to go right back on tour. I hadn't really said it to anyone bar one or two people, close people and family members. And uh, yeah, that kind of validated it to a degree. Not that I needed validating, but it was something as well. I, I'd been in two finals. Uh, I'd been in a, a couple of semifinals finals. as well. Yeah, yeah. Right. And I you know, I'd put in some decent performances. I had a couple of good matches uh, in semifinals and just come up short. And uh, yeah, it was kind of... It just felt great, you know. My my parents, my family was there, and yeah. just to kind of be there with them was, uh, yeah. It just felt it just felt amazing. I, I suppose it, it accumulated in a very difficult uh, period in in life, in life. Yeah. and and a little bit in squash because I really missed competing hard. I mean, just missed challenging myself. And you know, again, I was, uh, I know I wasn't like you know top ten in the world, but I just loved the challenge of trying to be as good as I could be, and I missed that. 
And so when I got there in the final and, and I won it, having experienced what I'd gone through for the few years, I just it just felt amazing. It was, yeah, I just, yeah. I, and I think that was partially why it felt as good. I probably, had I won it earlier, before like that two-year period, I would have I would have loved it. Don't get me wrong, but it maybe it might not have felt the same. Right. Yeah. You appreciated it a lot a lot more after what you've been through uh, leading up to that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just kind of felt that maybe at that stage, I thought like when you're young, you think, oh, I've got like twenty years to go here, man. When when actually you don't. But no. But as you got older and you had that, I had that period of time. I was like, Gee, you know, this might not ever happen. And for me, that was it was a big goal. Um, to win that uh, yeah. and just to do it the first time just it just felt great that's awesome and uh, you know now you've got eight uh, I'm going to mention a few names uh, after we talk about number eight but uh, I'd like to yeah first talk about number eight you you got through to uh, the final with all, I think only dropping one game I mean it sounds, yeah. sounds, sounds like you're, you're you've got a few more uh, left in you uh, Arthur so uh, first of all talk about number eight uh that must have felt uh, felt good as well. I mean, that, that's a great, that's a nice number there. Yeah, it's even. I like even numbers. <laughs> <laughs> bring it to ten. Let's see if you can bring uh, it up to ten. Uh, it's funny. Yeah, you never know. Hey, not, not number even, eight. How was it? It was. It was fun. It was. I mean, it was great. Just to play again. Uh, I played a young fella in the quarters, mm. Luke Logan, who's super talented. I was going to uh, ask you about him. Yeah. Oh, like he's quality. And I remember him when he was like 10, 11 and just thinking, wow, this kid's got, he's got that real relaxed lefty swing, super forehand. And yeah, it was, that was actually quite a hard match. And his brother, Oshin, in the semis, who's really sort of, he graduated from GW. He moved back home. He's training pretty hard. He's looking to join PSA. He's also a switched on guy, clever guy yeah. uh, academically. So he's kind of juggling that and managing his time with, with work as well. Um, he's he's tough. I think to be fair, when you talk about like nine or ten, it's hard. There's so many young guys coming through. Yeah. I'm definitely not getting any younger. I mean, I love it, and I'm I don't think like I'm pretty motivated to to play at a good level. So I don't think my level is going to drop so much. I can't imagine it's going to improve, but stranger things have happened. Um, but maybe if I improve, I'll probably physically go the other way. So it's kind of like <laughs> maintaining the same level in a different yeah. way. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. The young guys. There was Sam Buckley in the in the final. There was another. There's another kid actually who he's not a kid. He's early twenties, but uh, Sean Conroy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And he actually probably should have been in the final. And I, you know, all due respect to Sam. I mean, he's he's a great little player, young player. He's not little. He's massive. I don't know what they're feeding the young lads these days. But he, um, <laughs> yeah, he kind of. He, I think Sean just had one of those days. Just. He was playing unbelievable squash early on and maybe just kind of just lost his way a little bit and yeah. struggled to get back into it. But I was looking forward to playing Sean just because... I guess he would be on the national team. Uh, uh, with, you've played with him nationally as well. Uh, with yeah, Ireland, yeah. For Ireland, yeah, several times. Yeah, he he's a great lad, great yeah. player, super attitude. Uh, like He's almost like family. Him and his brother are just yeah, top lads. Yeah. So I was looking forward to the idea of playing Sean just because he'd lost a couple of semi-finals over the last few years and a couple of heartbreakers and maybe ones that he, again on another day he may have gone his way and yeah and just we I just his game is great I love it I like I like watching it but I also like playing it uh, he <laughs> make me do some 
some running. <laughs> yeah, those are those are the fun ones. And when you get to play the the guys that you like to watch play, I, I always like I always love doing that. Uh, uh, yeah. Playing the guys that I you know they could be someone they, they could be your friend or they could be anybody, but you enjoy watching them play, and then you get the opportunity to uh, to challenge them with your game. Uh, that, yeah. that's, a, that's always good. Good crack, totally, yeah. as you said. Good crack, man, yeah. And it's, it's just a really good <laughs> test. And you sort of know then at the end of it, win or lose, you both play well. And you have a beer at the end of it, and it's like, happy days. You know, it's either congrats or, you know, hard luck next time type of thing. It's, it's all good. Absolutely. Um, now, uh, another thing, just uh, looking back a little bit again, your first cap uh, for Ireland, uh, Arthur. Uh, <laughs> when, when, where, who? Uh, I got smoked. I almost got triple bagels. <laughs> oh, did you? Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, how could I ever forget him? Thanks for bringing that up, man. Cheers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we played. Uh, so I, I was 19, played for Ireland against England. Okay. I was thrown in the Lions Den. Yeah. Uh, I think maybe Stevie might have sat it out. I played Simon Park. There you go. Uh, yeah. yeah, not bad. Yeah. And, I was, and, yeah, and you've done a bit of training with Simon, uh, I see. Yeah, yeah, he used to feed me a little bit. Um, yeah. we, I, I yeah. saw there, there's a YouTube video up there of you guys doing some pretty, uh, pretty intense uh, speed work on on the on the on the court there. Yeah, that's yeah, what I'm I not going to. Uh, I'm not going to try that. Uh, no harm in trying. What's the worst that could happen? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with the, the your advice. Go for a nice slow ghost and and just work on the footwork. Yeah. But yeah, that, that looked really good. Uh, the, the, the stuff that you guys were doing. But yeah, Simon. Uh, Class player, uh, world class, uh, tough for you as a nineteen-year-old, no doubt. Yeah, it was, t- it was. It was great though. I mean, I was just yeah. just having a buzz, man. It was. It was. It was nine love, nine love. It was the old English scorn. So I'm gonna oh, like oh, say, okay. if it was, yeah. if it was eleven, there was definitely a couple of handouts there. Mm. Not not ten, but there was a. So few. it would have been like eleven three, eleven four, like that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just let's be nice and say eleven five. Okay. Or probably more like eleven two to be honest. Um, right. And then the third game was a little better. I think it was nine. Uh, but I was five love down. I was just thinking, shit, like this. this <laughs> no, no, no. Gonna, that's all right. Yeah, not, go, go ahead. This is like not going to be great. I ring home and say, yeah, I got the first cap, and yeah, I didn't score a point, but life is good. But uh, yeah, I, I kind of got into not got into it, but I got a couple of points, and I think it was nine six in the last game, maybe nine right. five. So. A reasonable finish. Yeah. I <laughs> yeah. guess, I mean, under those circumstances too, I mean, you're there, you, you get the call up to play and then, oh well, yeah, it's, by the way, it's against Simon Park. Uh, that, that's probably, you know, as a 19-year-old, you're going to get the better of you at the beginning of that match. Yeah, but I, I was just super happy. And I was, at that stage, I was like all years, student of the, well, I still am, but a student and just yeah. wanted to play as many great players as possible, expose myself to as many, you know, good professionals, quality, world-class professionals and see what I could learn from it and then just kind of create this database to see if it could help me. Absolutely, yeah. Now, uh, just before we move on, uh, I want to talk to you about a few Irish uh, legends, one of which uh, happens to uh, come, happens to be, happens to have been living in my homeland uh, for several uh, years, uh, Willie Hosey. Mr. Hosey, what a guy. Ten national championships. You, you, you've only got you've got two more to uh, to catch him. But uh, I, I, you know, I've bumped into Willie here and there at Canadian national events, and a couple of my good buddies have had the, you know, the great chance of uh, you know having Willie coach them and advise them, and and they can't, you know, they they've got nothing but uh, 
great, great, great things to say uh, about him. Uh, so what, uh, tell us a little bit about Willie and the legend uh, that he is in Ireland uh, as well. <laughs> he is he is a legend. Like, uh, we're, So we're from the same town, Carlo, which is just a wee bit an hour south of Dublin. Yeah. And his nephew, Sam, well, is his sister's uh, kids, Sam, Finton, Barry, uh, and Karen. But myself and Sam were like good buddies growing up. Sam, in his own right, is like class squash player. Right. He, he's very fond of a <laughs> of a pint. He won't mind me saying that, but like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Some man for one man. Uh, Sam's actually played for Ireland as well. He got a cap a couple of years ago. Okay. But so... Sam, yeah, Sam and I used to train a lot together as kids. There was, a, there was a whole bunch of us, actually, seven or eight, maybe more. And we'd all hit together after school for a few hours. And Willie would come home maybe once, twice a year. And he was just, yeah, he was so good. He'd get on court with us all, play a game or two, give us, a, you know, some props. And yeah. one year he uh, brought back Jonathan, t- took Jonathan back with him. So I right. think that was not that long after Jonathan. He was world champion at the time. So I think it was... Maybe uh, it was March. So I think the World Open. It was March '99. So I think he, the World Open might have been November '98 that he won. And uh, yeah, he's just salt of the earth. Oh yeah, he's so yeah. many great stories. He's met so many great characters. He's an unbelievable yeah. character himself. Yeah, and he's and still playing uh, quality uh, squash, from what I hear as well. Uh, oh, he's a beast. Yeah. Like not 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 a, not a picket on him, and he's so fast. So you fast, know, yeah. Gets to everything. You know, he's, he gets there so early that that's the whole thing. You don't know what he's going to do, right? Yeah, yeah that's it. Yeah. And he, I remember like when he came back and we were all young kids and he just the pace was ferocious. You know, we had never experienced anything like it. Like we're 14, yeah. 15, scrambling around the place. Yeah. And, you know, we'd play like a, an hour game, Sam and I would have a, an hour match, you know, five gamer. And, you know, we'd be tired, but we'd play five minutes with Willie and we'd be absolutely breathing out of. You know, uh, there'd be steam coming out of the uh, out, out of our ears. Yeah, and then then will then Willie be uh, in the back of the court with a pint in his hand? Yeah, pretty much like straight away. <laughs> yeah, okay, ready, <laughs> ready yeah. for another one. Yeah, Some no, man. he's a. I mean, he's a legend in Canada uh, as well. I mean, he's been there since uh, I think the mid '80s or late '80s, uh, That's uh, nice, yeah. maybe off and on. But uh, no, he coached uh, and uh, you know he helped a lot of guys that I know uh, as well. And they just have tremendous, uh, tremendous things to say about him. And he's really, you know, helped them a lot with their games and not only with squash, but I think just advising them in in life matters and and things like that as well. Yeah. No, he's, he's just a solid guy Uh, on top of being like Willie Hosey, the legend. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. So he, he has 10 and then uh, another Irish legend who I happen to, you know, speak to on the podcast and met him uh, briefly here in Dubai, uh, Derek Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, another legend. Oh yeah. Derek's. I, yeah. I know that's just a great man. I think Derek and, you know, certainly when I got older, like in my late teens, early twenties, Derek, and there's another guy, Stevie, who's, I don't think he's quite as old as Derek, but yeah, just great characters. I mean, Derek was, I mean, he's the best squash player from Ireland there's ever been. Yeah, you know, seven in the world, and he—I mean, if he really wanted to play great squash, even now he, he could. He's got such a squash brain on him, such a and a way to compete and to play. Uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, you're you're following in there. I mean, uh, there was Derek. Willie had ten. 
Derek had uh, close to that, if not more. I, I don't know how many he's won. He, but, he's uh, got nine, yeah. Nine, yeah. You've got eight. So, I mean, there you go. That's Ireland right there. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> that's yeah, Irish squash close, there. Uh, well, that, that's, there. that's a great, I mean, obviously you, you've won a few uh, PSA events as well. You got to, I think, 80 in the world. Probably you probably could have gotten a bit higher if you wanted to. Uh, but what were uh, what oh, I definitely were, wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, uh, just in brief, what, what what would you say was would be the highlight of of your PSA uh, playing days? Uh, I mean, you won a few times. You got maybe the first uh, first uh, win. The first win was was amazing. Yeah, it felt great, and it, that was actually a couple of months after uh, my first national title. Okay. So that, like the national title was in December. Um, I played my first PSA event back at the end of February, and then March was the second PSA event in Qatar. So I, I, I couldn't walk for days after it. Uh, it was two matches a day, and I went from Ooh. qualifying. So I was kind of like right in the deep end. So I played right two on. matches of qualifying, which they weren't that tough, but they're stressful. You know, you're kind of yeah. like you're thinking a couple you're of local back. guys, right? couple of local guys there was an English guy I played and you're looking in your back pocket and you're thinking hmm, if I don't win this this is not good for the for the skyrocket so that's kind of <laughs> it's hard to play in your mind you know yeah yeah as much as a I lot was, of pressure there isn't there uh, in those yeah. qualifying matches uh, not not that I would know but uh, I, I I've lost in qualifying I've never actually uh, no way where, where was this yeah, well a couple times I, I played uh, Singapore the Singapore Open back in oh, nice. uh, the late 90s uh, Singapore Open played a, in a couple events in Hong Kong as well. Uh, yeah, Korea. Actually, I got through in Korea. I got to the main draw in Korea, but uh, oh, no, no one in that one. Yeah, <laughs> a couple of couple of guys from Hong Kong uh, uh, got to the final of that. And Malay. Oh, who played? A couple of Malaysian, decent Malaysian guys were there for that one. But, yeah, yeah, I managed uh, there. But anyways, uh, yeah. So that first uh, Qatar event, you got through the qualies and uh, got and then, yeah yeah. I think I drew Mahesh, uh, Indian guy. He was yeah. the two seed, and I was I was staying with Stuart Boswell. Okay. Uh, he just moved out to Qatar at the time, and oh, I was yeah. two two love down. Yeah. And he, he, after the second game, I just I just can't get into this. You know, and, uh, it's tough. Like I was trying really hard. Like I was, and I was about I think it was seven or eight one down <laughs> in the third, and I just really? said to myself, yeah. And I, I remember a piece of advice I got from, it just came into my head at the most random time and I remember it so vividly. Uh, Peter Marshall said to me, you know, if you're ever struggling, and this is a guy who had probably the lowest line of length uh, there had ever been consistently. Um, yeah. But if you're ever in doubt, just open up the racket face and just chip it above the service line and just bore the guy to death. <laughs> and then that way you'll, you'll end up kind of playing your way into it. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and that's literally what I did. I, I it just came into my head and I was seven or eight, one down. I was just thinking about, you know, I started thinking about the money or <laughs> yes. before, up until that point, I was thinking about the money and the ranking yeah. points and like, how am you I mean in terms of, uh, you know, how are you going to get home? That kind of thing. <laughs> like, uh, you, you got to get through qualities to get a bit of, well, I was more back, thinking yeah. about p paying the rent to be honest. Cause I like threw my eggs, all my eggs in one basket. Yeah. But by the time I got to seven, one, I was like, I mean, I pretty much lost it now. So I might as well just, yeah, and Marsha's thing came into my head. So that's literally what I did. And an hour later, uh, I was shaking his hand and, I, and I'd won. I was like, far out, that, that kind of worked. Yeah. And I actually, the same thing happened. So it was two matches a day. 
So yeah. I had a, that grueler of a match. I, I remember the guy who had won his match a couple of hours before me was looking at it thinking, you know, rubbing his hands, thinking, happy days. I got a bit of minced meat later on. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of down fairly it took me a while to get going. Uh, and once those are in, happy hunting grounds for you. It's not, I mean, you were, you were more of a physical guy, right? Like you're fit, you're strong. Probably, yeah. had, you know, you were, you know, he can think that way all he wants. I'm going to keep going. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was, I mean, that was the thing. Like when I moved to England first, it, like I didn't, I didn't have any money, no resources and didn't have anyone to, you know, I'm not, it wasn't a, I was never complaining, but didn't have a coach or someone to sort of guide me through what I should be looking to do or how to improve. My sort of Bible for squash was Jonah Barrington's biography. Murder on the squash court? It was actually, so that one as well, but his autobiography and it was just, I really? Was so, yeah, yeah. Is that, I wonder if that's still out, uh, accessible, that, that uh, I'd love to read that. I don't think I. It's, the, uh, I mean, you can definitely get it on eBay. Okay. Um, and every now and again, it pops up on Amazon. I've a, yeah. I have a copy. I tell you, next time I like, I'll see you. Uh, I don't know. Maybe yeah, I'll drop by. And, uh, drop, drop by to Providence. You can have a lender a book. <laughs> sure. Okay. Okay. But it, it's amazing, and it really goes through like you know waking up. You know, he was doing all these long runs around yeah. the cricket fields. So for me, then my equivalent was put the hoodie up, six o'clock in the morning, the alarm goes off, and do all these like really long runs before breakfast then turn up at the squash club. And so my sort of, in my head, the way I was going to get better was getting fit enough to stay on court with the top players long enough to learn more. And so that was my yeah. thinking. That there, was, there was no method to the madness except for a, a book about a man who trained really hard in the 60s and the 70s. Yeah. And this is so really I kind of I mean, for anyone who's listening uh, to this, I mean, this is really, really useful information. I mean, that, you know, just uh, work hard, hard work, you know, dedication. That's what's going to, for any aspiring young, young players, this is kind of a sort of a, a template for, you know, improving your, your game. To a degree. Yeah. Um, I mean, not, I mean, you're, you know, not, not like Jonah going out there and doing a million uh, court sprints or whatever it was he was doing back then, but you know, the, the mindset, the mindset. Yeah. You, you definitely, there's no, and if you look at all the, the top players in any sport um they all had that like drive to work really hard like they were they were not afraid to put the time in yeah how you spend the time no i i wasn't afraid to put the time in there's loads of people like that but i definitely didn't spend my time wisely it was nearly all dominated by physical work it, it stood me in good stead and it was you know it validated me because I, I thought okay well i'm working really hard therefore i'm getting better but it, yeah. it doesn't necessarily you know equate to that and I, I learned that, you know, soon. It took, it took me a while, but it was all <laughs> yeah. like trial and error. Yeah. Um, I guess, yeah, once, once you get to a certain level, and mo most, a lot of these guys are just super fit anyways, and uh, naturally, uh, they, yeah. they've got great, uh, you know, they have other elements of their game are world-class. So Totally, yeah. That. yeah. But, um, but yeah, uh, anyways, yeah, going back to guitar, and he was, so yeah, managed to, Pop that, and the next day it was two matches. Uh, yeah, and I, I, I remember. I think the final finished about half six. I had a beer at the airport. I had nine hours to kill on the way back to London in Istanbul. So I went <laughs> into a lounge, had a couple of beers, and happy yeah. days. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, who did you play in the in that final? Do you remember? 
Uh, I played. I think I played Syed Bakari, a Pakistani player. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there was a Kuwaiti guy, uh, Amar Al Tamimi. I think that was in the semis. It was either or it was vice versa. Abdullah's cousin or brother or. No, no, he was a Kuwaiti squash player. Kuwait, uh, oh, sorry, I thought you said Qatari, yeah. yeah Kuwaiti, so yeah. he's, like he played the world teams recently, uh, Amr, so okay. he's still kind of, yeah. Still, still around, player. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, that's the backstory, Arthur. The, cheers for, for that. that. I mean, you had a very, uh, I mean, you still, you're still playing, so uh, all the best going for 9 and 10 and uh, whatever <laughs> other squash you're playing uh, over there stateside. Now you did manage to get yourself uh, stateside at, at some point. Not it was not uh, recent. It wasn't with the Peter Nickel uh, Squash Academy that brought you there. I think during your playing days, right? Yeah, yeah. So I had a once I got back playing after that first year, I got a hip injury, and mm. it wasn't super serious. It was just time off court. I just needed to rest, basically, yeah. had a heal. I mean, I had like some rehab stuff that needed to be done. But the problem with that is at the time there was a, I was making my cross through league matches. Okay. And oh, yeah, yeah. So, you know, and that was paying the rent. So you, three months off, you're kind of on a, on a tight rope. Uh, or I was anyways. And then when I got, just got to that stage, three months, I'm like, no money, couldn't pay the rent. I was like, she far out. So I was just talking to a pal of mine, Liam Kenny, another yeah. Aussie guy. Mm. And, you know, I, was, I had in the past done some like work with a family in the States so I kind of use like New Jersey area as a satellite when I was in the States. So I do some lessons and training when I was there, go to Chicago, come back, go down to Baltimore, come back, that mm. type of thing. Yeah. And yeah, they were, they're the cousins of the family were building a court. So I flew over after, once it got better, it was after Christmas. So early January, around the time of TOC. And yeah, just spent two months with the fa- with the with the family that I used to, to work with a lot, and they were building a court, and it just yeah, it just seemed like the right time and a good fit. And I needed I needed change. I think I'd I'd spent close to ten years in England at that stage, yeah. and it was it was time to move on. Right, and the U.S. I mean, uh, I mean, you obviously observed how uh, sort of vibrant the squash uh, was going uh, there with the varsity stuff, and then also with the uh, you know just uh, all the great coaches, great players, former players over there coaching and playing and uh, I guess that yeah. opportunity uh, sort of uh, was enticing as well just to see see that happening and be a yeah. part of that totally yeah and just seeing <clears throat> excuse me seeing it grow is just over the last 10 years has been amazing yeah yeah and the coaches like you said and you, you kind of you're crossing <clears throat> past it's, with a who, it's a who's who of <laughs> you know, players, you know, the, of the Peter Nickel, uh, JP era, they're all, most of them are there. Yeah, there's a lot of them there. And even some of the ones from before, you know, you yeah. got like yeah, Rodney yeah. Martin's been here for a few years, well, a long I- time actually. Isles is over there, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I mean, there's some serious legends. In the, in the old days, you used to joke about, uh, like when the tournaments weren't as busy as they are now and there wasn't the same volume of kids playing, you'd ha- almost have as many coaches as you would uh, juniors at these tournaments, you know, almost every family had a, had a coach exclusively. Right, right on. Yeah. And thankfully, that's changed for the better. Like, it just means now that there's more of a, a club model in place, which then breeds a culture of squash over just an elitist um, thing, which is, which is amazing. 
Yeah. Now, uh, now you. So that's how you got your start there. Then, then you. Uh, I think you were uh, coaching at Brown for a little bit as a as a coach for the women's team, uh, assistant or. Uh, yeah. So right? yeah. when I first moved to Providence, which was when Peter and I started working together fully, we weren't sure, or I wasn't sure, you know, how busy the club was going to be. Was it going to take off? And Stuart was looking for a coach for the season in the short term. So it was almost like just the stars were aligned yeah. just uh, to work with Stuart and to do a college stint. And, you know, admittedly, I just sort of thought it was kind of a fun experience just to sort of see what it was like. I knew some of the kids from various camps and, and junior programs over the years. Yeah. So it was, it was just one of those things. It, was, it wouldn't happen. It was a three-month thing. I started in December 2016 or 2017. And, yeah, it was finished at the end of March. Right on. But so you only, you, you only did it for three, you were only there for three months, were it? Yeah, so officially, yeah. The yeah. the program, South College Squash, I'm sure you're familiar with it. The yeah. season pretty much is, like we moved in October of 2017 of that year. Right. So That's when looking it starts for, pretty much, right? Pretty yeah. much, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he had someone lined up, Stuart, and there was visa problems. So I'd met Stuart and said, here, look, I mean, I'd, I'd love to do it as a short-term thing to yeah. help. And he was all ears, made it happen. And by the time all the paperwork got through, it was December. And then the season finishes the first of the second weekend of March. Mm. And then it's like spring break. And then there's a period of time where the coaches are not allowed to work with the team. So right. it's, it's, kind of, it's all paperwork and admin. And by that stage, I was chocker block at the, at the at the club and it was yeah it was just perfect timing right on now as you know uh uh brown program is uh, I, I guess late the the latest is that it was cut among one of 11 i think sports that brown sort of cut in order to sort of ramp up other sports as they they like to say and i had yeah. uh, rob dinnerman i don't know if you know rob uh yeah, rob yeah. dinnerman he was on and he I mean, if you know rob i mean he there's he's forgotten more about squash that especially that type of squash than I'll ever uh, know um, <laughs> but uh, he he came on and just basically said um, yeah it's a kind of a, an odd thing for them to be doing given the tradition uh, of Brown and it's been around since the inception of, of the varsity uh, squash uh, thing in the US so what what have you heard anything uh, any updates on, on that or is it still uh, going the way of uh, cutting the program yeah uh, it's yes yeah, i mean it's still definitely going the way of cutting the program there's nothing has been released paxson the president of brown uh, sent a letter uh that i saw over the weekend uh, explaining her decision there's enough people there's a lot of people talking in in the squash world but also a lot of people in the brown alum that are speaking are making a lot of noise yeah. And there's also some people with, just with the track team as well that are talking the, yeah, I mean, along the I same mean, track lines. and field too. Uh, uh, squash, track. I mean, those are you know, yeah. Bad, well, yeah, track and field's a huge, huge thing in the U.S. But yeah, it's it's a funny one because like it it doesn't make sense. Like the timing aside of making this decision, the team itself, the Brown Squash team, is self-funded. So uh, yeah. so it's, okay. so it's not so it's not an economic decision. And the Brown team as well, when they talk about results and, and comparing it on, on the letter, at this comparing it with some of the other Ivy schools, it's not necessarily a level playing field because of the recruiting process. So Brown, Stuart, Coach Legasic has only had 
four recruiting spots. Now, most teams would have a minimum of six to eight recruiting right. spots per year. On top of that, the academic, the AI, the academic index number has to be uh, like, it's ridiculous, like 4.0 and the SAT scores are very high. I, I'm not go- I can't remember the figure off the top of my head. But So then your list of players that you can look at and recruit, it's very, very small. Yeah. Where, and then there's no financial aid. So you can't like decide, okay, look, we're having a couple of tough years. There's this guy, he's a world junior champion. Let's, let's hook him in and, and pay for his, co- you know, it just doesn't, they don't do that up front. Right. So it's very difficult um, to be able to compete with some of the other schools that have all those resources to them, you know, that right. they can pretty much within reason uh, recruit who they want. So it's, so it's really different. not, you know, it's no money out of, out of Brown's pocket really. Uh, is basically what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. So it's mad. Yeah. But hopefully yeah. you never know enough people, uh, talk and make enough noise and yeah. they're, they have to listen. It doesn't mean they have to change their mind, but it might make them reconsider at the very least. So right. yeah, fingers crossed. It's an ongoing thing. You never know. Stranger things have happened. So right on. Well, let's hope so. Let's hope it. Uh, yeah. Cause they, they, there is a lot of, a, a lot of, uh, tradition there at, at Brown. So yeah, How totally. You, yeah. Yeah. But then uh, now you've uh, you found your way into uh, the, the Peter uh, Nichols Squash Academy. You're the director of squash uh, there, and that, that I mean, just working with Peter uh, must be amazing. But uh, how did that uh, how did that come to fruition uh, for you? So we well, we moved to New York, or so, well, he moved to New York. I went to New Jersey uh, around the same time, like the same month of August. I mean, it must be eight or nine years ago now. Yeah. And we talked, he was doing his academy out in poly prep and he was saying, you know, would you come out on weekends? And initially I was like, yeah, let's do it. It sounds great. But yeah. it was actually harder for me to manage. So you knew Peter I, from, from before? Or you've kind of, yeah, so we did yeah. um, just from, from playing. Obviously, I really looked up to him. The guy's a legend. Yeah. And a couple of years, he, he, when he retired, he worked for Prince. So then we kind of connected through Prince because I was playing with their rackets at the time. And subsequently, when I stopped playing, I ran a long, ran a Legends event, which started off as an exhibition one year between yeah. myself and himself. And then maybe six months later, I was trying to get the members like, this is pretty fun. This could be really cool. And then six months later, we held a mini Legends event. Yeah. And it, it was class. I think you, you Goffey, Peter, Tim Garner, and David Evans. Okay. So, yeah, yeah it, was, it, was, it was great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, and so... From that, we kind of stayed in contact, stayed in touch. When I got back playing, he was pretty happy. He was very supportive of it. Like you just said, you know, you, I'm glad you decided to do that because you're only going to be in your 20s once type of thing. And, and when we moved out to the States, he was saying what he was doing, what I was doing. I definitely thought I had the time, but it didn't really work out. So I popped in every now and again yeah. to his academy. And then we started doing the summer camps together. It was brilliant. We just loved working together. I think we wow. complemented yeah. each other in, in a lot of ways. We spoke the same language and also, but in a different way. Right. And I think we kind of fed off each other's energy. It was just, yeah, it was just great. Just Because yeah, that's a big thing. I mean, for him, uh, for a guy of that stature, you know, Peter Nickel, you know, one of the, the all-time greats of the game to bring you in and to, uh, you know, have you basically as his... Uh, as his partner with his academies there in New York, that's got to be, you know, something for you to be, uh, 
quite proud of. And, and for him, you know, he, he's obviously put a, you know, a lot of trust in you for, for good reason. Cause he, he believes in you, I guess. Yeah, no, it, it, it definitely, yeah, I definitely would have gotten a boost from it. And, you know, he was talking about building a club in New York after we started doing the camps and he was, he was trying to find the right investors and the right piece of land. And there's so much loop, so many loopholes and legislation to get through in New York mm. that, you know, it wasn't going to be happening anytime soon. So in the interim, you know, it was kind of just not floating around, but I knew I was coming to the end of my playing days. I was, you know, just about to get married. And at the same time, there was this whole thing in Rhode Island came up and it was uh, going to be, you know, kind of a trifecta. So you had this great school, Moses Brown in Providence, collaborating with Squash Busters, which is an urban youth program to help mentor students with their squash and academics. So this, the squash buses use the club, like six, it's 12 courts, six courts from three to six, the school program, school teams only use it from November to February, three to six. Okay. So that means, so for three months from three to six, all the courts are gone. For the rest mm-hmm. of the year, six courts are gone from three to six. And then there's this beautiful facility and that's kind of where we come in. So right. we operate a club and a junior program and it's, yeah, when we went to meet the people involved, straight away I knew it was a good fit. Yeah. And it was like perfect for me in terms of the city as well. Like it's a small place. It's pretty manageable. Mm-hmm. My wife liked it uh, for the same reasons. It was a very happy wife, happy life. Oh, amen to that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I know that was kind of pretty much it. Just the people involved were amazing. I loved Greg's passion for the urban program, Habib Gorgi, his commitment to the community, the school and the urban program and the school itself. It's how it functions and operates and teaches its kids. It was just super inspiring just to be there. So even yeah. if it didn't work out, I was like, you know, this is still a great experience, you know, just to meet these people. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it worked out great. We're super happy here. Uh, my wife and I and my daughter, the idea of bringing Nola up here. Uh, yeah, happy days. And it's, 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 it's not too bad to get to Boston for family to fly over. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and you're right. I mean, you're, I mean, East Coast squash right now, that's the hub. That's, it's just going so well there. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. with the, uh, you know, COVID uh, thing happening. And I guess, it, you know, when Peter came on, we talked quite a bit about that. You know, the, the timing wasn't... Uh, perfect uh, the timing wasn't ideal obviously but uh, he's going uh, you know he was talking about the virtual uh, squash stuff that you guys are are doing uh, and that 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 was fascinating to me and uh, so talk talk about that was that something uh, is that something that you're still doing now with with uh, your juniors or uh, maybe other people that you're coaching the, the online uh, uh, stuff so we actually stopped here in Providence uh, last week Okay. And on June 1st, there were some restrictions that were lifted. So at the minute, the club, as of Monday, just gone, we're back doing private lessons only. Okay. Yeah. There, there's a ton of protective measures in place and protocols to keep it a safe environment. Mm. Um, it's all like it's front to back coaching. There's no rallies. There's no interplay. Yeah. It's, um, you know, kind of disinfect the whole building after the students gone, like when they finished the lessons to so say, Jerry, you come in for a lesson at one o'clock, you finish at two. I escort you out the building, disinfect the building. 
and the next person so how long in. how long does that take for like one student what, what what's the total time it's uh 75 minutes 75 minutes okay yeah uh, you come in ready to play so you come in in your gear i've been saying yeah. to the kids just you're outside the weather's Make nice sure you're so, ready yeah yeah exactly you just kind of you know do a, a little warm-up outside yeah. and we can come in and hit the ground running yeah so it's it's been it's been good but the, you know the amazing thing when we got all these restrictions so when some of these restrictions were lifted and i spoke to the kids on the last virtual session which was a thursday i think it was may 28th or 29th i said hey guys look great news this is what we're going to do from here on in and the kids actually said uh oh that's a shank are, are we still going to do a little bit of this <laughs> and I, I was totally unprepared for that. I was just thinking like, yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah, let book me in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they were like, no, no, they were, they were all kind of like, okay, yeah, we will do that. I want to do a few lessons, but I also want to keep doing this. So it kind of validated a lot of what we did. Mm. And I, it certainly like we knew and I knew that the kids were definitely getting something from it, yeah. from the feedback and we're talking. So there's a lot of like mental work as well as the visual uh, practices and, uh, and techniques. Yeah. But when one, one to, thing that uh, that Peter, sorry for interrupting. One thing that Peter no mentioned uh, that I thought was really interesting was the act, the the, the virtual match play that you guys would. Yeah, yeah. Play. He would say, "Okay, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to play the drop front court, and then I'll play, you know, cross court lob." What, and then you go through like a rally, and, and uh, you know, yeah. Uh, how how did that all play out, and and what did what sort of value did you see in, in that? the virtual uh, game or match. Uh, it was trying to, there was loads of, I could talk for a while on this actually. Uh, I'll keep it as brief as well, possible. Yeah, well, I know you've been great with your time, Arthur. So we've been here yeah. for all. Uh, there's no rush. It's all good, man. <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't, I, that's the one thing I don't do well at all is rush. It's okay. just, yeah, it's too stressful. Yeah. Um, but so the idea was like, we're, we're doing the game. So we would start the session off working to a particular theme. And say it was it was lifting from the front, or it was dropping, or it was holding the ball, or it was volleying, and so we would isolate that one section, that one shot, or that one area of the game, yeah. and strip down the technique. And say if it's volleying, it's like okay, understanding and creating a general rule of thumb of which foot to hit off and when, and getting your body in a certain position, angle of the racket face, the timing aspect of it in relation to your feet, and then it's okay. Now let's bring it into a a rally format, but we would go into a pattern initially. So, you know, you've played a good ball, the ball is lifted, step onto it. And then, you know, you just kind of, and the, the t kind of like, don't just like move from one place to the next, like the ball has to travel. So therefore you're going to come back to the tee nice and slowly and then get, move off the tee quickly type of thing. Yeah. Without going into too much detail. And then we would then create games. Mm. So now it's like, Okay, if it's volleying, you've got a volley mindset and you're looking to cut off every ball. You're looking to take right. the ball as early as possible or you're looking to set up opportunities to play a volley drop. And so that's kind of how it goes. So you have all these like things in their mind. Yeah. Between all that, sorry, before all that, we show them a couple of clips on YouTube so we can share the screen on Zoom and yeah. we watch a couple of videos, like, sorry, a few rallies, no more than three or four, put it on half speed, then normal time has to be again so they can sort of see some of the nuances that we're focusing on in that day. Yeah. And, and then that's kind of how it plays out. And then it goes into full rallies. And by the time we got, as the weeks went on, then it, like, let's do it. Let's do a full match here for the whole session. Let's, go. let's play. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and so your strength is 
is X. So you're going to really try to get your opponent to play into X or your and your, someone else's strength is that. And then so after every game, as I'm getting a drink, we'll pick up a couple of students. What was working for you? What wasn't? And so then there's all this like database that the kids are listening to each other talk. What they're finding is working for them to help them connect the dots and what they're visualizing, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, th- this is the, the, the new normal uh, kind of approach, uh, I think. And it's probably, you know, through trial and error, maybe one of the, the aspects of the, the virtual training that you were doing that you might uh, definitely take away from all. Totally, yeah. Th- there's definitely something in it. Uh, yeah. And I think I said earlier, like, we had a bit of trial and error in those first two weeks when the kids were on spring break, when we were trying to create a programming that was that had real meaning. And it's not to say that everything else doesn't have meaning. Of course it does. But what I was definitely big on is I, I didn't want to just have like, we could do like circuit training a couple of times a week with the kids and it would be great because they'd see each other and they'd stay in shape. Yeah. But they could probably also do that on a Peloton, uh, you know, at a, you know, and buy the bike and, and whatever, or they could do like online, you know, fitness classes that may be like 10 bucks for a month. Yeah. So the idea two things there was a business side of it but there was also something that we wanted to feel as coaches that we were helping our kids to not only stay active but to continue to learn yeah yeah. and to also get reps and the irony not the irony but the the interesting part and week one kind of going back to doing privates and no word of a lie the kids who have been you know consistent with the online programming like they it was almost like they never left the court uh, yeah. Now wow. it took them a, a few a few minutes because the lights and the, the court was very bright. But once they got into it, and you're like, oh, like, and, and even a few are like, geez, your swing's looking really good. I don't remember looking <laughs> that good before, you know? Yeah. And it's it's amazing. So kind Let's of. Say that, I mean, there's a lot to be said for visualization, right? People always talked about that before, in, you know, doing this virtual stuff that we're that you're doing now. But the visualization of, you know, visualizing how you're going to play a match before you go out on court yeah. and play it, and. Uh, Always you heard um, people who, who did that, they were very, you know, usually had success as a result of it. Yeah, yeah totally. There was a guy, so we, did, we were doing some, or I was doing some reading uh, in the early phase of quarantine and I stumbled on a couple of articles and one of them was a guy, uh, Russian fella, Sharansky. I think yeah. that's his name. It's Sharansky or Sharansky. And he... He, he, was, he did nine years for being accused of spying for the U.S. in the USR, USSR. Okay. And in those nine years, he sort of made this conscious decision. Okay, I'm going to like, play chess in my head for the next few years to mm. hopefully one day become a world champion. Now, I'm not sure if he became world champion, but I do know in 96, he beat the world chess champion. Wow. So uh, there's something in it. Visual, you know? Yeah, I've, I've read a book as well. And I think I mentioned it to Peter on, on the podcast. It, uh, it's called Freedom Flight. And this guy, I think he was a Vietnam War, a prisoner of war. And during his three years uh, there, uh, he visualized uh, perfecting golf, oh, wow. becoming a great golfer. And then apparently, allegedly, uh, when he went back, when he was released and went back to the U.S., he was shooting, uh, he was breaking 80 uh, every time. I should read that book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the guy, uh, the, uh, it's an old book. It, it's old school uh, mental training uh bascom i think his name is 
Cool. Yeah, Canadian uh, psychologist. But uh, speaking of golf, uh, Arthur, uh, I did ask you uh, before uh, you know we met today uh, to come up with a, a great uh, a sort of squash golf uh, anecdote. If you have uh, any uh, that you can, uh, you know, any on-air uh, squash <laughs> uh, golf anecdotes. I mean, I, I'm a uh, as we uh, you're you're a bit of a golfer, and I I played a bit uh, played yesterday in the 39 degree heat. Uh, Beautiful. But uh, we had a bit of a wind, and it, it was nice. Uh, it, it was a good day. I was start at three thirty, and yeah. got it in before the sun went down. But uh, anyways, golf's a great, good, good crack, as you say, when you're with your buddies. Uh, oh, yeah. And any uh, any good uh, anecdotes you can share with us uh, on air? On air, on air. We we had a good crew, um, in particular when we were when I was living in New Jersey. There was a few of us. There was Dan Jensen, Ryan Koskelly, yeah. Zach Alexander, Rodney Martin, and okay. Liam Kenny, Greg MacArthur, who plays the doubles, and he's he's a member. He's a pro at the club in Sleepy Hollow. We used to get out there a couple of times a week. It was, it was great crack. I mean, in terms of specific anecdotes, I can't really. Nothing really springs to mind. It's like being asked your favorite movie. All these things come at you at once. <laughs> and you don't really know what to say. Yeah, but yeah. We used to have. I mean, it was good times. I think all. When we played in the evenings, we always played our best squash on the 10th, or sorry, our best golf rather from the 10th after we had a few, uh, few looseners out on once, the night. Once the swing juice hit, uh, gets oh, going. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing. You'd be super stressed because you'd be thinking, yeah. today's the day I'm going to break, you know, 80 or 78, or yeah, you, yeah. you're going to get, because you start off, you go par, par, par. And then it's yeah. like quadruple bogey. And it's like, I mean, that's just a waste. <laughs> yeah. No, this happened then, the other day. Uh, we, were, we were playing a match play, uh, a couple of buddies of mine. Uh, it was, pairs match play and uh my friend and i we started out i think we won like the first four or five holes and then uh the partner of my the other guy uh, broke out some beers on hole 10 and then they just they just wiped us out oh i tell you the the swing juice was was working for them (laughs) it does i mean it it felt it 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 loosened you up that's for sure you got to get at least you know one or two uh aboard you uh, yeah i don't think there's any harm no. I think, you know, what I, and we always played, well, I definitely always played better when I had a, you know, a beer or two with me. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, all, I'd, I'd get pretty quick and we'd all, we'd all have our moments on the course, uh, like where we just like lose, lose it. <laughs> we you know you'd, yeah. you'd drive the ball out of bounds and then you pull up the next one. So you're on three and then you go and it's the next one's out of bounds. You're like, ah, oh, here you go. You're go. almost yeah. ready to go in. Yeah. But uh, I tell you, some of the boys are serious. Rodney, yeah. Rod is, and Dan, they were unbelievable golfers. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard Martin and uh, Cuskley is a good golfer as well, apparently. Yeah, Cusk is a beast off the tee. Is he? Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, you're, you're a big fella. You're, you're probably uh, relatively long off the tee. Yeah, long, but not always straight. <laughs> <laughs> you know? That's a, the, the, the running joke at my club is uh, like, I've got half, like at my, my backswing on, on the driver, I've got about a, like a half a swing. The, the the guys uh, the the Korean guys a couple of Korean guys I play with what they say what are you bunting <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I can still hit it about two fifty two thirty to two fifty is my average off the tee so two fifty average a little bit longer with half swing back swing so uh, well to be fair two fifty in play is better than five hundred out of play <laughs> oh exactly yeah yeah <laughs> I'd like so to that's go probably why you're you're shooting eighty. 
And I might one day shoot, you know, 77, 78, and the next day shoot like 95. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that, that's good crack though, right? You, you, you get out, you step up to the tee, grip it and rip it and see what happens. Yeah, totally. And, and, and the swing juice uh, is flowing and then it doesn't matter. You just go and have fun. But, yeah, it, it's, it's important, I think, especially when you're playing or if you're like in working life as well, like you just need some sort of release that's just easy going it was very good for me mentally it was just chatting with the lads having a crack yeah hitting a few golf balls the weather was nice getting a farmer's tan happy yeah, days yeah. no exactly and uh you know the squash can be great that way as well i mean the, the social i mean you must get that the social aspect of it on a you know a club night or a, a, an evening when you know you get a few of the few of the fellas at the club and a few beers and the swing juice yeah. works well uh, on the squash court sometimes uh yeah. Uh, maybe after a court. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, not, not in a grueling five-game match. You don't want to be going for a Guinness. No. There. There's a, yeah, that's one of the coolest things about uh, – one of the best things about squash is, is the social aspect to it. I mean, it yeah. is a great game, but I think what gives it and what separates it from other sports, and maybe I'm biased, I probably am, but it's just the community no. side. No, no, you're not. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is cool and quite often you know after a day's teaching or if there's a club night or there's a league night yeah you know, some of the guys are hanging around they're going across the road for a, for a beer yeah. join them every now and again and it's just great and seeing how much they love the game like you, you know you're talking to guys and they're like they absolutely love them they're talking about their match or they're giving out about a referee's decision and yeah, or yeah. And even if their pals are free, like, oh, Johnny gave me a terrible decision. Why are you going to give me that goal? You're on my team. It's like, you know, it's just, it's, it's cool. It's awesome. Uh, yeah, that, that's why we love the game. Uh, now, I'd be risk, remiss if I didn't um, ask you about your, uh, your, your podcast, Arthur. Tell us. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're, you're now part of the, pod, the squash pod, growing squash podcast uh, that are out there. Uh, you, yeah, I think you've got episodes one, two, you've got three, the latest with uh, maybe Amanda Sobe. Is that right? Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so we tell, did. tell uh, the uh, the name escapes me. I, I've forgotten the name of your podcast. Um, uh, oh, Jerry, come on, man. <laughs> Just kidding. I, I, uh, I got around, all the other the... details right, uh, but I forgot that. One. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you get me where it hurts. Uh, it's called Around the Court Squash Around Podcast. The court. All right, great. Yeah, yeah. Around yeah. the court. Yeah. And, so, uh, uh, I mean, it's fantastic to have. Uh, that, that's the reason why I started a podcast uh, a few years ago. There were none. Yes, uh, like uh, we, now we, there, there seem to be a few, but uh, tell us about yours. Uh, so I suppose, like first, I mean, we're all big fans of your podcast and what you're doing for squash. I think, and you're definitely the pioneer for that, hundred oh. <laughs> percent. Like, really? uh, it, it is the first, and it's the first. I mean, I think maybe a few people have done other things. They haven't been quite so consistent, and they've kind of fallen by the wayside. And both myself, so I actually came up with the idea about two years ago and I approached Stuart Crawford about it and yeah. Stuart and I go way back. We've been friends for a very long time and we used to train uh, together as well back in the day, yeah. long time ago. And he was like, this is a great idea. And it wasn't to, it was to do something that was like more had no, like, so your are like the niche of interviewees wasn't, for, wasn't for us. It wasn't for me. And uh, you're doing that. You're doing great. It was to do maybe something we both love, uh, podcast called the cyclone podcast okay and so they have like a three or four guys on and they go through like what's going on in the cyclone world and who's going to what team and what have you and so kind of the idea was very much in line with that so Stuart was like oh it's a great idea 
but I don't think it's for me. And I was like, Stuart, man, you've got a you know, great voice. His, your girlfriend thinks you've got a great face for a podcast. So uh, let's just do it, you know? Yeah. And he was, he was on the fence. He certainly wasn't as committed as, as much as he liked the idea of it. Yeah. And, but I was kind of hell-bent, not hell-bent, but I was like, keen to, to get it up and running at some point. As you know, life gets busy, you get distracted, other things are going on. So, but it was always in the back of my mind. And so when, when quarantine happened, when lockdown happened, it was like, this is the perfect one. Once we had a little bit more free time yeah. and we got the virtual programming up and running, we had a sense of how what we were doing and all, I, you know, we'd written all the sessions. Uh, it was like, okay, let's do it. And Chris Sackvi, who's- Big Nick's brother. Big Nick's brother, yeah. yeah. And coach, I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so- By I the way, Nick's a beast. Nick is a beast, yeah, yeah. Great player as well. Yeah, I love watching him play. Yeah. He's all over yeah, the big. place. He's hammering <laughs> the ball. <laughs> yeah, strong boy. Yeah. But so I think what, you know, Chris and I have working, Chris works with Peter as well. Okay. And so every Monday we had like a coaches meeting where we talk about the sessions. And I knew Chris, but I didn't know, no. And I feel like even through quarantine, through Zoom calls, we've become like good buddies. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, Chris, like, I said it to him and he was all in as well. He just loved the ideas, got Stuart on board. Yeah. Uh, and he was, I mean, he had nothing else to do, so he had no excuse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we, and we recorded the first one. We had, a, we had a blast. I said, what do you think about episode two? And we were all, we were all in the three of us. And then Peter said, like, he'll come in every now and again. Yeah. There's another character, Jamal, Jamal Collander, who yeah. works for yeah. Peter. And he's a great guy, great coach. So he's going to come in every now and again. But I, I guess, yeah, Chris Stewart and myself. Are, I mean, that, that's great. I mean, you, you get, uh, I mean, I, I'm just a guy who loves, I mean, I, I have a playing background, but not, not professionally uh, per se. But uh, if you, you, I mean, I, I do what I do. You guys do what you do. You, you're three coaches, four coaches, uh, you know, you, you know the game. You're, you bring another uh, aspect to the podcast, the squash podcast uh, niche. So that, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think that's awesome. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, there's nothing better. Like we said the other day, we were after recording, like just basically talking to two of my mates about a sport that we all love. And we have different views. We overlap with some of our views, of course, as well. And it's, it's cool. Like there's, yeah, for us, it's yeah, happy days. And again, the mindset was, look, if this works out and we continue to love it and we do it, then, you know, even if, five, 10 people enjoy it and we'll keep doing it. Happy days. And, and if nothing else, it's just keeping busy and trying to develop a new skill over a period of time when we have the ability to do that, the opportunity to do that. That's awesome. And uh, anything in the hopper? What, what's coming up next uh, on the podcast? And, and can, can you reveal uh, the name <laughs> or, or yeah. the, the, the content? Or, uh. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. We have, uh, so we recorded with Laura and Danny Mazzaro. Oh, uh, awesome. this week yeah, yeah. okay so uh kind of got into i've been doing like, a few of her uh her training as uh youtube things oh uh, wicked uh, yeah yeah I what do you combined, think well i, I combined uh, nick matthews with hers uh a few tweaked a few little things here and there but uh yeah just to, actually today i did um i think it was yeah it was her approach it was uh i do four minutes of like three exercises yeah, or uh, like twenty reps or thirty reps, four minutes, one minute break, and then do that like eight times, and uh, that, that was awesome. Uh, that was really yeah. good. Uh, that was one of her uh, routines, and then I, I I use a couple of Peter's exercises like that. I like the basketball three pointer. Have you seen 
like you take a, like a, a three-point shot or a jump shot. No, no, go you on. You do that 20 times. Like you just oh, wow. jump. Like it's like a burpee, but, but without j- going down that far. You just you do it like a, like a basketball jump shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, 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 that's, that's really good. And, and it's not so hard on the, you know, on the body as it would be, as a, as a burpee would be. So yeah. uh, I, I, I do a couple of, I throw that in amongst the, the three every now and then. But uh, yeah, it's been great. Hers and, uh, and Danny, I guess it's quite the, he, he's more of a, like the mental game aspect of it, isn't he? Yeah, he is. He's, yeah. A, he's also a very good coach. We did um session together in new york around the time of toc uh with some kids who were in for a session and took them to watch some of the squash in the evening uh he's a, he's a great coach as well but he's definitely probably specializes or his part for him is uh, the mental side and yeah. he's very big on or at least my take on it is he's quite big on helping players get their house in order so mm. it helps them get them into a right frame of mind to I express themselves that. Oh man, who are you mm. telling? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mean that 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 just speaks to to Laura's game, doesn't it? I mean she she uh, she really had her house in order uh, and and got to number I think number one in the world, didn't she? Yeah, she was yeah. she was top top ranked player in the world. Yeah, mm. amazing um, world champion, two British Opens, just just a legend. And I think how she did it as well is yeah, very very. Admirable. I used to love. I saw her play in. Um, here in Dubai, and I forget who it was she was playing, uh, maybe Camille, or, and it was just a real battle, like real fight, real you know, tooth and nail. And uh, you, I love watching that, that type of squash, you know? Yeah, yeah, big time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Arthur, uh, really appreciate your time, man, and uh, all the best with, with the Academy, all the best with the new podcast. Uh, yeah, and, I have to uh, get you on. Oh, I'd love to. I'd love to. All right, uh, let's 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 do it. Yeah, anytime. Just shoot me. Uh, uh, I'd be up for that one hundred percent. Yeah, you, you, you'll have yeah. like three like three big fans interviewing you. <laughs> okay. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right, buddy. Take care, man. Yeah, you too. And uh, yeah, uh, best of luck through all this kind of new normal and quarantine life. And hope you and the family are, are doing okay and and continue yeah. to do so. Well, that's episode 146 for you right there. Many thanks to Arthur Gaskin. Really enjoyed that chat and uh, look forward to uh, seeing how things play out for him at the Peter Nichols Squash Academy once it reopens. Obviously, the virtual stuff is still going on and that's been a success for them. And also, uh, reigning Irish national champion. We'll see if he has a couple more left in him. It sounds like he certainly does. He may not uh, want to come out. He, he seems like a relatively hum- humble guy, but I think he's got uh, uh, that big round number of 10 in his sights. So um, at any rate, thanks so much for Arthur uh, to Arthur for coming on. And also thank you, everybody, for listening. Please uh, share these podcasts with your friends and social media, uh, whatever platform you listen, and share it amongst your club. Uh, maybe you can even share them on Active Scout. I'm not sure if it has that capability, but uh, maybe you can. Uh, and coming up, we have, uh, well, we've got a, uh, Tim Garner from the PSA, uh, the, the man behind the scenes, as they call him. Uh, just did that uh, episode a, a couple of days ago, so that'll be coming out soon. Some really interesting stuff we talk about there with him. And uh, Brian Patterson, with any luck, he's going to come on on the heels of the Bronx Tale uh, uh, documentary that came out on squash skills so lots to look forward to here on the in squash podcast 
Thanks for listening, everyone. If you have any suggestions, any comments, any ideas, uh, please shoot them my way. I'm all over uh, social media. I'm on the Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. My daughter's running that website for me, so uh, she's doing a good job with that. And I just want to say I appreciate everyone who listens. So uh, anyways, have a great day. If you're back on the squash court, good luck with that, and take care. Goodbye now.